Hey guys, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions like how do I record an episode? How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year, and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, so if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. This is Kennedy Landry, the Rangers beat reporter for MLB.com, and this is the Rangers Report Podcast. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Ranger Report Podcast, now brought to you in part by Walton's. Experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Meatistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons, everything but the meat. Welcome, everybody, to the Ranger Report Podcast. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me on Twitter at bdieter 75 And I am CJ Berryman. You can find me at CJB underscore RR on the Twitter. And you can find both of us at the Ranger Report. And I'm also at the Riders Report. And speaking of that, CJ, I will be at the Sod Poodles Riders game tomorrow night in Frisco. So uh, if you want to meet me, um, well, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you do, I'll be (laughs) in section 114 behind home plate. You can come by and say hello. I'll be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, I encourage people to go and meet you and tell tell you how much they loved your rant the other night on Joey Galatrade. Yeah, we're going to get to that here in a minute. Now that the new rankings came out, I kind of have to eat a little bit of crow for that, but that's okay. I still like you. My thing is I I wish that they would have come out with those rankings before we did the podcast because it would have helped me calm you down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if we would have had those numbers, I might have been like, okay, wait a minute. This doesn't sound so bad. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get into that not, not long from now to be sure because uh, – well, tonight we're going to do uh, our week in review for the uh, Rangers, and we'll start with trade deadline stuff. We're going to talk a little bit down on the farm, and then we'll talk about DFAs here at the end, so you want to stay tuned for all that. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Walton's. Go to waltons.com for all of your meat seasoning needs. So we played their commercial off the top, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, CJ did a great job recording that commercial. I uh, Yeah, that's my... Uh 
I, I do reads very well. Yeah, well, that's good that we both can read. It would make it hard to do our job yeah. if we couldn't. Yeah, that's exactly. All I did was read. Yeah, good read, man. Good read. Way to go. Anyway, let's start with our weekend review. So the uh, trade deadline, if you heard our last podcast, which a lot of you did according to the numbers that are rolling in on it, I was a little upset about Joey Gallo getting traded for what looked like nothing. And then, CJ, some, uh, some new rankings, like you said, came out. And all of a sudden, it's actually a really good trade. Yeah, Ben's feeling better. Yeah, Ezekiel Duran and Trevor Halver and Josh Smith and Glenn Otto. The rankings were adjusted about, what, right at the very end of our podcast? Pretty much. And we weren't the only ones using the MLB pipeline. They, it's what the rankings were at the beginning of the season. And then Fangraphs decided to go ahead and update things after that trade had happened. And we felt a lot better at it. So Ezekiel Duran comes in and immediately is slotted at number three in the Rangers organization as far as prospects go behind Josh Young and in front of Justin Foscue. Those two happen to be hitting in the top three of the same order at Hickory, and we'll get into that a little bit as well. And Josh Smith slides into number eight in the Rangers organization. He also is hitting in the top three of that Hickory lineup that is just going absolutely off. And yeah, however, he's in high A Hickory uh, as well, playing left field. He's had a great start. He went two for five last night. Glenn Otto had a good five-inning performance last night in AAA. So we we are now much, much more pleased with the return of Joey Gallo, especially considering the contract extension talks were a little off. Yeah, from what they've been reporting, and you know, we're not insiders. We just get the same people we, we we read and listen to the same people you guys do. And according to the reports, it looked like they were about a hundred million dollars off in the offer between what the Rangers were willing to pay and what Gallo's team kind of wanted. And he's you know entitled to that. But the thing is, there's no guarantee he would have stayed after next season. So it turns out the Rangers got a pretty good haul for Joey Gallo in a rebuilding team where they think he wouldn't have been here when they were ready to start competing again. So they got what they could for him, and you know. Like we've talked about in the past, and it's difficult for fans that are only fans of the major league team to to be patient, but their stockpiling in the minors something serious right now. Yeah, it's it's loaded, not with super, super high talent. Jack Leiter's obviously gonna be a name. For whatever reason, Josh Young is not considered a super talent, but we're seeing much different there. Yes, it's a small sample size, but he looks he looks the part. He definitely does. And Ezekiel Duran he, yeah, you've got two second basemen. They're pretty much alternating DH and second base between him and Foscue. And then Josh Smith is playing short. And the the numbers, <laughs> you sit there and you think about it, $100 million. It's not like a $100 difference. You know, no, $100 it's a big difference. Dollars. That's a huge difference. And like you said, there's no guarantee that he would have stayed. Yeah, he wants to. But what would another season like this have been? You know, how bad would that have worn on him? And you want to get something for a guy like that, especially when a bat like his and it hit the arm and the and the fielding that he brings. I bet you he wins Gold Glove again in right field, uh, even though they kind of mixed it up. I don't know. They had Aaron Judge in center field. You know, you'd think Joey Gallo maybe in center field, but I guess they like his arm in right. So, yeah, hopefully he gets the uh, Gold Glove again in right field, which I wouldn't be surprised. But his base running – his OBP, his slug, all that stuff. A guy like that is incredibly valuable, and his value was never going to be higher. Same with Kyle Gibson. Value was never going to be higher than it is right now because of their retainability for next year. So the whole season, I, I we knew he was going to get dealt. 
we wanted a good return. At first, I was indifferent on it. You were mad. <laughs> but, yeah, we feel so much better about it after the fact and getting more data and seeing how they perform. And it's been very, very good. Don't, don't I don't want people out there to believe that I'm now angry at Joey Gallo and don't want him to come back. If he wants to resign Not after his, his Yankee contract is up and they can come to terms, I would be thrilled to have him on a competitive Rangers team. Thrilled because, I mean, his hitting is one thing, but his arm in right field is a pure weapon. I mean, it is a pure weapon. It saves probably more runs than any other outfielder in the majors. No, that's, you're exactly right, and that's why his value was so high, and he got four prospects for for in return and the thing that you want to hope for that here whenever his contract comes up after 2022 is that there's not a spot in the outfield for him yep and if you were to ask me with the the second man in that trade if i would rather get rid of jolie rodriguez or uh or john king i would have taken jolie rodriguez i'm kind of glad that we hung on to king yeah and it turned out to work in the in the rangers favor because john king's medicals excuse me didn't uh there was something that the Yankees didn't like. They knew he was on the DL, and he's going on. A, he's doing a throwing program today, and they'll reevaluate from there. But they didn't like the medicals on that, and so they took Joely Rodriguez. Well, to me, uh, John King's not going to bring that wow factor to you. Joely Rodriguez might have the higher ceiling, but he's got also got the lowest floor. John John King's floor is not that low. We've seen King be very, very, very efficient this year, and I don't know. I don't. I don't kind of like the idea of, of trying to stretch him out into a starter, although that's what they were starting to try to do with having him be a tandem guy out of the bullpen and, and stretching him out 45 pitches. And then I think his last outing was what, 55. I and then all of a sudden he gets, right. yeah. And then he gets shelved. So uh, the, the, that sidearm, that hard sidearm with the hard sinker and, and the other off speed pitches that he brings, I think he's just more valuable to be honest. It, they're they're gonna say any pitcher's more valuable as a starter. I get it. Yeah. But some guys just aren't aren't starters at this big league level. And then the other trade, of course, that happened right at the deadline was Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. And the big one in that was the Phillies' number one prospect, uh, Spencer Howard, who came over to the Rangers. The Rangers also sent Hans Hans Kraus away, which we liked him. But in talking to Jeff Wilson and in talking to Chris Halleck, both of them said they weren't really sure he was going to remain a starter to make it to the majors. So they weren't even sure that he was going to, you know, where he was going to fit in when he got here. So it's pretty interesting that they were willing to to give him up. Apparently the Phillies liked something about him and wanted him. But to get their number one prospect, I mean, like you said, Gibson's value was never going to be higher. Spencer Howard, he their number one prospect, I believe, each of the past two years. Uh, no longer can he be ranked a prospect. He's gotten too much service time in MLB now. But he wasn't just panning out with them. And so they were willing to allow somebody else to take him on. He's 25. I believe he just turned 25 a couple of days ago. Uh, but he has MLB experience. He's on the MLB roster, and it's likely that he's going to be making his return or making his appear- first appearance with the Rangers in a tandem situation with Taylor Hearn for Taylor Hearn's next start. So exciting to see that, and it does make sense for both of these teams. The Rangers are getting a team's top prospect, and it's also about roster flexibility. Who would you rather have on the 40-man roster because you got to either – put Hans Kraus on the 40-man next year or subject him to the World 5 draft and just lose him outright. It was pretty much an exchange for, okay, this guy's MLB ready now, and we can kind of get him get him going as a starter maybe. Tandem guy right now can be a starter next year. And Hans Kraus, you don't know. But 
and you don't want to subject him to the rule, rule five draft because he's probably going to get picked up somewhere. And as far as the other two guys go, uh, one of them made their debut in high A as well. Kevin Gowdy, he pitched five innings in relief and struck out three, did allow two home runs. But he did get through five innings on 64 pitches. So not not quite sure yet. We haven't seen enough of him to know exactly what he is yet. Not a, not a bunch of reports on it, although Scott Lucas does have a, a little bit on there. But uh, we'll have to just kind of keep an eye on him as we always do in the minors yeah. on this podcast. We'll keep a, keep a, keep a closer eye on him. It was a, it was a good trade with the Phillies. In my opinion, I actually was happy with that one. If they wouldn't have traded Gibson, I would have been a little upset after, after letting Gallo go, they had to trade Gibson because his, his draft stock was super high and he did pretty good for his uh, first outing with the Phillies. I'm i uh, I'm glad. And yeah. another guy that I'll be rooting for, you know, even though he's not here anymore, but if you read anything by Wilson, or by uh, by Jeff Wilson or by Chris Halleck, they both have said that Howard is really glad to be here. Like he just didn't feel like that that they were using him properly in Philadelphia. The way uh, Jeff Wilson described it is he didn't have anything bad to say about Philadelphia, but he didn't have anything good to say about them either. And he was thrilled yeah. to be in Texas and to get a fresh start here. And that is usually a good thing when a guy is thrilled to get a fresh start. Yeah, it's, I think it was Jeff Wilson that was talking about how the atmosphere in Philly was kind of affecting him, and that there might have been some "quote unquote" mismanagement of him, and how yeah. how they were using him, and how they were bringing him along. And maybe, I mean, hopefully for the Rangers, that's the case. He's got electric stuff, mid nineties, I believe. Uh, high, he can hit in the high nineties, but probably average around mid nineties. Uh, with all the good off-speed stuff that you would want out of a prospect. And, again, he's not young. He's 25, and he's going to be pitching with the the rest of the season on the big league club and hopefully next year in the starting rotation. So things are kind of starting to develop more going into next year. We were certainly excited to see some young guys this year, and we knew what the year was going to bring, although we didn't think it would be as bad as it has been, although the past two nights have been awesome. Yes. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get to – Jonah Jonah Heim, who might be the new king of the Rangers moving forward. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll get to him in a minute, but but yeah, things are starting to make become a little more clear with who we might be seeing next year and hopefully the, the year after. Next year is going to be crazy too, and that's gonna it's gonna signal these are this is the team we're moving forward with after next season for certain. Correct. Yeah. Now let's switch over to draft signees. We've already talked at nauseum about Jack Leiter, but at the very last second, the Rangers inked Aaron Zavala. Uh, their number two or second round pick and way under slot as well, because apparently there was a medical issue that held up negotiations with how much they're going to get them. And by doing that, they were able to sign another draftee that they didn't think they were going to be able to sign. So Zavala willing to sign for that. They didn't release what the medical issue is, but apparently it wasn't bad enough for them to not want to sign Zavala. No. Yeah. They, they wouldn't have. And it, it all, all John Daniels said was it was a medical anomaly, which I don't know what that means. I mean, yeah, I don't uh, either. That, that that I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's apparently something odd that is not common. So hopefully, it's something that can be dealt with, and that the the proper medical team or proper medical personnel are able to help him get through it. The Rangers have actually had very good luck dealing with it medical anomalies quote unquote yeah they sure have Kyle Gibson and and with uh, Jake Diekman and they've they've got a really good medical staff so whatever it is hopefully it's it 
able to uh, be dealt with, and he can he can start next season where he's supposed to start. And Larson Kendrike, that's the guy that we were talking with Jeff Wilson about, the left-hander out of Biola University in California. Yes. He signed an eighth uh, eighth round pick, and that one I, I, that's going to be my guy to watch it out of the draft. I've always got to pick some under the radar guy, but from what Jeff Wilson talked about, the Rangers are ecstatic to get him in the eighth round. So I'm now very interested in, in following along the now new Ranger Larson Kendrike. And I hope that we're pronouncing that right. If not, we'll get it right. Eventually. I wanted to switch to something that may affect the Rangers in the 2022 draft. CJ is that Kumar rocker did not sign a contract with the Mets, the number 10 overall pick. Yeah, that was really interesting. And he was, to start the season, we, we talked about it ad nauseum really through the first quarter of the season was who's it going to be that you're going to take? One of the two Vanderbilt arms with the, with the second pick. And it's going to be the whoever doesn't get taken number one. Well, Kumar Rocker fell way farther than than everybody expected. And I wonder if the signability was a reason why. I'm not quite sure. I didn't see that the reasoning why or the story behind it, but that is very surprising. The Mets have to be extremely upset because Kumar Rocker again was a top five talent and yeah. fell to them, fell way far to them. So they had to have been ecstatic to get him. And now he's not going to sign, man, that hurts. And apparently he's going to go play, go, he's not going back to Vanderbilt either. He could go back to Vanderbilt for a senior season, but now he's going to go and play professionally elsewhere. Haven't heard where, but again, I don't know why he, he did. He elected not to sign. If he thinks he can get more money later on, it's a big risk to take because he is a three-year college prospect. Yeah, and like I said, if he if he if he can pitch like he did last year, get himself up in the draft again, the Rangers at the moment have the number four pick in the 2022 draft. So we'll see what happens with that. And speaking of that, let's move on a little bit to the major leagues and talk about uh, continuing our weekend review. Talk about the fact that we're recording this on a Monday, uh, August second, and the Rangers sent down an announcement I didn't expect. I wrote an article today about when are they going to start designating guys for assignment because we know that's coming, but I had Fulton Evich, I had Holt, I had Culberson, I had other guys like that, I thought, and then they designate David Dahl immediately for assignment today. I was surprised, but I'm not uh, I'm not shocked and I'm not disappointed. He has not been playing well, especially the second half of the season. Nope. He's only hitting 210. With a 247 OBP, yikes! And he's hitting 120 something against left-handers. Yeah, it's so he became who was supposed to be your everyday left fielder to injured, then to only hitting against righties, and now DFA 210 on the season. And it's it doesn't feel like he's been off the DL that long. It, it felt like he was on the DL forever, but he has played in 63 games, so it's not a small sample size. 210 yeah. for a veteran that you're want you were hoping to maybe hold down the Ford at left field. But now with Jason Martin, I, that's that's what I'm excited about is get to see Jason Martin every day or most of the time uh, playing left field against right-handers. So nobody deserves to, to get more playing time on the big league club than Jason Martin this year. He was a yo-yo between AAA and the big league club. I don't know how many times he was called up and sit, sat down. It has to be around 10 times. It it's got to be close. So – yeah, bye-bye, David Dahl. And I'm going to go ahead and now – I'm going to go complete 180 on Culberson and Holt, and it just hit me yesterday. They are the only two veterans on this club. So, yeah, you can't have, you know, the 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 
the patients run the asylum. Is that this? Is that the saying, or however yeah. that goes? But I think I honestly think one of them would will DFA, and one of them won't. Yeah, um, I could see that happening, and honestly, see it being Culberson. And having we've been talking about this guy for a while, Charles LeBlanc come up to, to be kind of the the platoon guy with Brock Holt. Yeah. Uh, but those are the only two veterans on the team, and they've been very, very good in that role as well. They've been very, very good veterans for the team. Maybe not in production-wise, but as far as as being veteran leaders for the for the lineup, they they both served in that role very well. You've heard Jeff Wilson and Chris Halleck talk about those two guys all every time we've talked to them. They've mentioned them in some kind of positive light as far yep. as being a leader as a veteran. So those two guys have kind of. And they, when did you see the celebration yesterday? Brock Holt, after Jonah Heim hit the walk off again, was throwing Gatorade on just random players out there. Just yeah, just the celebration. He was just he's, chunking it on just, everybody. He's just chunking Gatorade everywhere. So it's that was awesome to see. And those two guys are having fun, kind of leading these young guys. And they might be two veterans that we end up appreciating over the next couple of years more than more than we are. I think I don't think we're appreciating them enough. And it's and it's based off of their production. No, they are very underwhelming as far as in the lineup at third base, but they both play solid defense. Culberson, you can play small ball with. They had him hitting second the other day and had him bunting. Or I don't know if they gave him the sign to bunt, but he had the option to bunt hitting the two hole after Isaiah Connor Falefa reached base on Saturday and he went ahead and bunted him to second. So it was it was interesting to see. But yeah, I, I could totally see one of them getting DFA too. I see it being Culberson and then LeBlanc. Somebody like LeBlanc comes up. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't want to see either of them DFA. Like you said, they've been, as far as leadership on the team, they've been great this year. And they've been good with the media. They've been, you know, they've been a positive influence on these young guys for sure. But if you want to bring these guys up, you can only fit so many people on the roster. Now, I. Fulton Evitz, I think, is a foregone conclusion. I don't know when, but he'll be gone. Um, Jordan Lyles, I'm not sure if they're going to DFA him or not. I'm with you. The thing, the, the thing that sucks is that they are trying so hard to keep them on the roster to be two veterans that can just eat up innings. Yeah. You can't have you can't have a bunch of rookies and, and first year players pitching the rest of the year it's just it's not going to be good and it could be damaging to the to the rookies right now you've got two two spots in the rotation that you are already doing tandem starts with now if you sent both of them down well that becomes four so it becomes very difficult and you might end up having to do it with Kobe Allard that'd be five so it's they they're having to have these guys hang around and luckily Fultonevich was able to go five innings yesterday, and he finally stopped just being first fastball first, slider first pitcher. He went backwards. Thank God, because he had he also throws a changeup and a curve, and he featured those pitches a lot more yesterday. And it was able to he he was able to hang around pretty yeah. much is all is what he did. Hang around at least five innings, then turn it over to the bullpen. Uh, Jarrell Cotton's been good since he come up. Demarcus Evans, who was just sent back down and probably because he's they're probably getting him giving him giving him some rest because he they, he was just used a lot in the past few days especially yesterday he pitched a pretty lengthy pretty lengthy outing outing for him as far as pitch count goes so yeah Fulton I think eventually he's just going to give up what eight more but he's going he's going to hit 40 home runs yes. get 40 home runs hit on him 
by the time he gets DFA'd, unfortunately, and Lyles will be right behind him, probably at thirty-five. <laughs> but, but the deal is, as bad as they are, you know, right now, and they're not going to improve this season. Record is no longer what the management is judging this team on. Uh, the management is now judging this team on uh, prospects and on win, you know, not on wins and losses. And I think Lyles and Voltanevich, I think you're right. Is the least they can eat up innings. So what if they give up a couple of home runs a game? At this point. They're not using those guys to judge how they're going to be. They're using those guys to eat up some innings so the young guys don't have to do everything. Yeah, that's pretty much what their existence is right now. And sucks to say that, but... Well, I had a lot of high hopes for Voltanevich at the beginning of the season. I did too, yeah. I did too. I thought maybe, you know, he had his fastball back up to the, at least the mid-90s. It's dipped a little bit. He was hitting more 93, 94 yesterday, but he's still pitching like he throws in the high 90s with a high 80s slider. You know, the, the slider is still mid to higher 80s, but you can't keep pitching like you're a power pitcher when you're not. Now, I'm not saying hitting mid-90s is slow, but you can't be – it's pretty much a, a, a starting bullpen guy when you're just a fastball slider pitcher. And what bothers me most about Fultonevich is not even his stuff, which, like you said, has not been that great, but it's his body language. He looks like oh, he's yeah. not comfortable, like he's not enjoying himself, and like he's just thinking, okay, don't give up a home run, don't give up a home run. Like that's what's going through his head while he's throwing pitches. What angered me yesterday, and I think I texted you about it, was he gets out of that bases-loaded jam, gets a double-play liner, and only gives up, I think it was one or two runs. And he's walking off the field sulking, but he was sulking kind of coming off the, and that, that just angered me. And it just, it shows, I don't know, just a lack of confidence for your team, really. They're, when you go to the mound and you're up there sulking and walking around with bad body language, what do you think? It's just, it doesn't the pitcher, look good. you're like, no, you're the, you're the pitcher, you're the quarterback, pretty much. The, the play doesn't start without you. And if you're, if you're not composed out there, your your team's not going to have confidence, and it's just it's just a bad it, it's it snowballs. It's a snowball effect, and I just can't stand that. You think Nolan Ryan ever sulked on the mound? We can't uh, we can't wrap up a week interview without talking about the last two games and Jonah Heim, how he's been barbecuing oh. the other teams. Uh, Heim barbecuing the other teams. See what I did there? See what I did? I like it. I like it. Anyway, no, oh, but yeah, he... two home runs, two walk-off home runs to the exact same location in the ballpark. I mean, he, he broke a MLB record, I believe. No one has ever hit a home run from the left and from the right with one of them being a walk-off before. So that is an MLB record. And then he broke a Ranger record, I believe, as well, the first rookie to hit back-to-back walk-offs. So, I mean, it's a two-game sample. But, man, I love watching when guys get locked in like that and have back-to-back walk-offs. I think he's he's the first rookie and the first Ranger rookie to ever hit back to back walkoffs, and he's the first he's the first one to do that since Albert Pujols in twenty eleven I think twenty eleven twenty twelve. So, but he's the first rookie ever to do it, and yeah. he's also the first Rangers rookie to homer from both sides of the plate, and the the last one to do it since Milton Bradley in 2008 and I just did that all from memory I did not rem- I did not mem- I was not reading that off of anything pretty good I did that all from memory um, I was shocked that like somebody like Mickey Tettleton or Carl Everett never did it but yeah no kid when they were playing for the Rangers but yeah there's Jonah Heim he's here's a rookie he's he's making history and ever since that Dodgers series and I remember that for two that series for two reasons 
one, it was horrific because Fulton Nevich, that was the game he went in there, and I think it was, what, six home runs and an inning and a third, yeah, something like that. But it was that series where Jonah Heim kind of came to life as a hitter. I think Chris Halleck said something on, on Twitter after Andy Abanez tied it up with his two-run shot in the ninth before Heim came up. And I think he said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, that Jonah Heim's just going to end it now. I'm just going to go ahead and go out on that limb. And what do you know? Yeah, he made Jonah the call. Heim he made the call again. for Heim to yeah. do a second walk-off, and he was right. Yep, he was dead on. And the, the one he'd had Saturday night was so cool because he spiked the bat. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were saying. They were saying it was like a football spike. He spiked it, and then uh, they had him on the pregame. Jared Sandler did on the pregame the next day, and he said, I had to apologize to my bat because we got more business to take care of today. And what do you know? What do you know? He hits a walk off again. So Jonah Heim, man, that's he's he's been a guy that's just been fun to watch. And I, I mentioned it back – Oh, probably the first quarter of the season that he's more athletic than I gave him credit for. He's got that that tall, lanky appearance, you know. But yeah, he's pretty darn athletic. And right now, he's your starting catcher for most games, as Chris Woodward said last night after the game. And we kind of predicted that they would split. We it did, might have been yeah. a fifty-fifty split between Trevino and and Heim moving forward. And that doesn't mean that Trevino is not going to get plenty of uh, plenty of, uh, get plenty of appearances behind the plate. It's going to be whoever's whoever's the hottest. Right now, it's Jonah Heim. So it's Jonah Heim's job as the catcher, the main catcher right now, and that might flip next week. It might flip two weeks from now. So we yeah, kind of expected it. Even if I'm Trevino, Trevino, I'm not arguing at the moment watching what he did the last two nights. No. No, he Trevino was the first one out of the dugout. Yeah, I did notice ago. that. Yeah, Trevino was the first one. He screaming bloody murder. He's having a great time. He's celebrating with him, and they're they're apparently they're you know they're really good buddies. And we kind of got that feeling earlier in the season. I think it was Halleck that we were talking to before the season started that they they want to encourage each other. They want to make yeah. each other better. So they're rooting for each other. They're not trying to hoping one fails so that the other one can succeed. No, they know that pushing each other is going to make one another better and that's awesome to see especially from two young guys and Heim has really just been a great shot in the arm in fact my most impressed at bat of the the whole series to be honest was not either none of his home runs it was the waiting on a changeup that was outside the zone and he just softly hit it to right field took it the other way yep the changeup has been the pitch that the rangers have struggled against badly all year long and they had a changeup pitcher yesterday and his name slipped me but Changeup pitcher on the mound for the Mariners, and, and Heim went up there and just easily stroked an outside changeup the other way. Just that's I don't know. It's just the way he's the way he's attacking at the plate, and his defense has been really good all year long too. But the way he's attacking at the plate right now, he's 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 really looking like a guy that belongs. All right, well we are about to wrap the show up uh, after that, talking about all that. I mean, weekend review is always fun, and we, we're bringing it back. We're going to try to do it each week on the podcast uh, since it was our first one in a while, and so much happened with the trades, draft signings, Heim, Dahl, and all that. We we went a little longer than I expected, so we'll hit a little bit of the farm on the next podcast. This will be an all major league podcast tonight. Uh, so, CJ, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up tonight? Well, I'll do what I like to do at the end of every podcast. It's kind of hijack it. And I'm going to when, – when I do this, usually it, on each podcast, I whether we have a guest or not, before we end it, I, I kind of take over and I do something random. And Ben has no idea every time what we're going to do here. So, Ben, are you ready? I think so. Are you scared? A little bit. 
<laughs> All right. So a few weeks ago, Ryan Divish, who covers the Mariners, had a tweet that went it became immediate legendary. Did you see it? I saw it, and I'm trying really hard to remember what it was. He was tweeting about Kyle Lewis, the center fielder for the Mariners, who injured his knee earlier in the season, and he was doing a rehab report on him. And he tweeted, he meant to tweet, Lewis will be participating in soft toss drills and hitting off a tee. But he got autocorrected and said, hitting off a teat. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I'm going to give you what three of the comments were, and I promise they're clean. Three comments. The comments on this were just absolutely hilarious. Uh, I'm going to start with my, my favorite one was... I hope this is what's breast for his recovery. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> then then you had, obviously, a catcher's chest protector is going to be required. <laughs> and the third one, and actually I think this one's my favorite one, is it sounds like he's really milking this rehabilitation. Oh, my gosh. That is fantastic. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. Oh. Twitter can make me really angry at times, but there are times that, most of the t- there are times that most. I'm in tears laughing at some people on there. Most of the time it does, and and yeah. I give Divish credit. Yeah, he he left it he left it up. He could have easily removed the tweet and done it again. No, he yeah. left it up and let everybody have fun with it. So thank you very much, Ryan Divish. That was a legendary tweet, a legendary autocorrect, and legendary comments. If I, I've, I've still got it saved, and I want to go back and read some more of them because there is a ton of them. Some of them cannot be, cannot go on the podcast. But, yeah, those were my favorite three clean ones. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, don't forget that I will be at the Frisco Rough Riders game tomorrow in Section 114 if you want to come by and say hello down there on the first deck right behind home plate. I mean, why not? Tickets are so inexpensive at Frisco, and those seats I got are so great I couldn't turn them down. So I'll be there uh, enjoying the game. I'm sure I'll be live tweeting like crazy since I will be at the game. So go to the Riders Report on Twitter if you want to follow what we're saying. And uh, CJ, have a good evening. You too. And yeah, Ben's going to be tweeting his tweeting happily and frantically as he's watching a fantastic product on that field. I can't wait. Like I said, I can't believe it took me this long to get there this year, but uh, my first one's tomorrow night. And they are playing against the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Amarillo Sod Poodles going from here to there. They're coming to see you, Ben. Yeah, you should have just ridden with the team, and then we could have hung out at the game. Ah, I forgot to call them. Yeah, so you should you should have called a game there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been awesome. I should think about that more often. It's not like I don't have two broadcasters I can call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. All right, guys, we will talk to you next time on the Ranger Report Podcast. See ya. Deuces. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report Podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.